Yes. Could you tell me what is the next flight to New York? Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. And we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Simple Shepherd. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. We hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every week. Now this is going to take several years as you can imagine, so please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. We will also be releasing bonus episodes of interviews with creators, cast and crew to extend your listening experience. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are and even if you have some trivia to disclose. Our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com and we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's get started. I've written here, I love how you could just ring a number and somebody would answer straight away to find out the next flight to New York. <laughs> okay, so now what time do we think it is? Do we think it's like 10.30? Like she fell well, asleep I was thinking, right? yeah, 10, 10.30, she's ringing up. Do you think she's caught the midnight flight? Red eye, yeah. Okay, so Maddie wakes up out of breath and very, very like, She's shook, right? She's shook from her dream and she desperately wants to like get out to New York. Um, she grabs a, okay, at first I've always thought it was like a um, phone book or something like that. And, you know, she looked up a number, but she grabs like a, I guess, you know, like back in the day we had a, a book that had all our phone numbers in it, you know, like her personal book with phone numbers, you know, oh, right, she, yes. she rips a page out. Did you notice that? She no. just rips a page. I'm like, what is she ripping out of this? Yeah, she wakes up, she grabs a book. It's like a, her personal book. It's not a phone book. Oh, like an address book, yeah. Yeah, address and phone number book. And she just rips out a page. Yeah, it's just kind of funny. Like, what is this page that you're ripping out that has a phone number, like you said, to call somebody for them to answer after 10 p.m. on a, on a what, a Tuesday? Um, but, you know, that, I guess that's a question. Like, you know, maybe she has an airline that she always flies or something. Maybe she has a customer service number yeah that might be available 24 hours you know maybe mm-hmm. but anyway then she has a phone book in her hand though doesn't she but it's not like a traditional phone book it's not like the yellow pages or oh, something i didn't take that, much notice of it i always assumed it was something like that too but it is um like a book if you pause it it's like a little book that had like the spirals on it right right yes mm-hmm. okay i guess they're just to kind of show her desperation to like phone somebody and get that flight booked Okay, if she took the um, red eye, just say she left at midnight, probably fastest, right? If it's 10 now, she has to get to LAX, that's 45 minutes, you know, call a cab, pack, you know, whatever. Midnight's probably the, the quickest she get on a flight. If she got on the flight at midnight and it was a, it's a five-hour flight from LA to New York, that's a given, five to six probably, mm-hmm. plus a three-hour time difference. She could not have gotten there in the middle of the night. It would be eight, nine in the morning in, in New York. They're three hours ahead, yeah? Yeah, they're three hours ahead. It's a five-hour flight. And then um, an hour, you know, getting out of the New York airport, getting a cab, getting to the hotel, talking to the hotel guy, getting into the room, you know. Like, we're talking 10 in the morning, and he was waking her up at 11 a.m. the next day, you know? Okay. So So when he first sees her, he comes in the door. It's jerry lighting, so it's evening or early, early morning. So how does that work out? She should be arriving during the day, shouldn't she? Yeah, so that doesn't work out, but that's okay. We'll just pretend. (laughs) And we'll just go with it, okay, because she's there in the middle of the night. But anyway, we're not there yet. Okay, so anyway, Maddie somehow gets on a flight, or she's calling for a flight. That's where we leave her. And then um, now we're in the bar with David and his friends. They're catching up and talking about Jimmy, their friend Jimmy, who obviously had a few mental health problems, I guess. 
which they all knew about. And one of them says, I guess he saw the car coming and decided not to get out of the way. But that's not mentioned when David says it. David says, what does David say? Um, he went off the Jersey Turnpike. I suppose he didn't want to go into detail, but yeah. Um, that, no. And I love how they keep picking on his hair. What happened to your hair, TC? That makes him remember TC. They must have called him Top Cat. And they started singing the theme song to Top Cat, the cartoon, which I used to love Top Cat. Loved him. (laughs) Even just for the theme song. Yeah, so it sounds like their friend was crying out for help. He'd ring them during the night and one of them used to just hang up on him. Yeah, so it's, it's a nice little scene. It just shows David's back to his roots in New York, catching up with his friends and even though it's not a good occasion, but at least he's gone back there and he's catching up and... In the commentary, Jay Daniel said that originally they would have travelled to New York, but he said it's possibly because they had to shut down for a week, which mm. cost $100,000, and they thought, well, let's not do that. <laughs> mm. So he seems to think it's not a set. It could be just a bar in L.A. somewhere. Oh, he really? Didn't really he, yeah, he didn't really remember. Yeah, where they were. They didn't go to New York to film it. Yeah, it was either set up somewhere on the Fox lot or a location. Yeah. I noted that a lot of jokes this season, well, it kind of starts um, with son. Yeah. So I guess season three, a lot, a lot of jokes about Bruce losing his hair. So like in son, yeah. he says it's a uh, hundred thousand hair short and the straight poop later, she says, what happened to your hair? And they're, mm-hmm. they're talking about his hair as well. Jerry Finnerman said in one of his interviews that he never saw anyone lose their hair as fast as Bruce. And in this scene, particularly the lighting, or maybe he didn't color it down like he'd been starting to do, you know, so it's yeah. less noticeable, but very patchy in this scene. Like you can really see that he's losing a lot of hair. Yeah, you know? sure he is. But yeah, I felt like this scene was very authentic. You know, it's exactly what David would be doing as soon as he flew into New York. He would be meeting his friends at a bar. Yeah. You know, talking about Jimmy having beers, rehashing old times and stuff like that. Yeah. He actually <laughs> looks and feels right at home. Totally. Yes. And yeah, the guys are just hanging out. They're drinking beers and um, reminiscing, them singing Top Cat and all that stuff. You know, it's just everything that you do with your old buddies when you meet up, you know. Terrific. That's good. They toast their friend and in the background, there's another song playing, which is New York State of Mind by Billy Joel as well. So David goes to get up to ring Maddie to let her know that he's arrived safely and that the funeral is tomorrow and when he'll be home. And and as he walks away... (laughs) His friend says again, what the hell do you think happened to his hair? Mm-hmm. That guy doesn't have a lot of hair either. So what's he talking about? What I like about this scene is that he goes to ring Maddie to let her know um, everything. Everything's okay. No problem. But at the end, he's really concerned. He's like, what are you doing out this late? He can't believe she's out. But the question is, Grace. Well, not the question. I guess the um, observation is, you know, Maddie's at home thinking of David. And David's in New York thinking of Maddie. He doesn't have to call her, you know, but obviously he's sitting there with his friends in the middle of reminiscing about Jimmy and and things like that. And he wants to call her. Yeah. Well, he probably feels a bit bad too about dropping that bombshell on her and just leaving straight away. As far as we know, there was no further discussion because the scene was cut short. But I think he feels just how we felt obligated to go to the funeral. I think he feels obligated to let her know that he's arrived safely. Yeah, he does say later, that was pretty messed up thing I did, you know, dropping that bomb and leaving. So yeah, it sounds like he did leave like right after. But I mean, I think, yes, um, he is feeling bad about like dropping the bomb and leaving, but they're just so used to being with each other at the same time, you know? So it's like, they're both on each other's minds, even though they're all the way across the country from each other now and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like David, he wants Maddie's support too, because, you know, he's there talking about his friend and lost his friend and stuff like that. But it's like... He's like kind of in his past right now, but he's like also thinking of his like present, which is Maddie and how he left her with that information. Yeah, I think it's just cute that he wants to call her. Yeah, I love that. I love that he leaves his friends to call her because most guys would be, yeah, having a good time with his friends, having a booze up and not worrying about the rest of the world. But but he he's thinking about her and goes to make the phone call, which is wonderful. And uh, he calls Collect. Yeah, that's what I want to know. He says basically reverse charges. That's what he did. Is that what he did? 
So you could used to be able to call the operator. Okay, if you didn't have enough money for the payphone, then he could call Maddie Collect and she could accept the charges. And then, then she would get charged for that phone call. But he says, I want to charge it to my home number. So he gives the home number and then like this phone call will be charged to his number in LA. Otherwise it'd be expensive. Like he doesn't have enough coins, you know. But then you could mention anybody's number. Yeah, I know. It's pretty trusting, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, Yeah. And uh, by the way, I did check. Maddie's answering machine is the same as, okay, we've heard Maddie's answering machine a few times. We've heard it in, um, well, Comeback Little Shicks, I think. Um, I think that's a different, uh, I wrote it down, darn it. Now I can't remember, but we've heard answer, uh, Maddie's answering machine at least three times. I think we heard it in um, The Next Murder You Hear. He calls. He tries to call and she's with Paul McCain. Oh, yeah, um, that's, that, that's that weird message she had. Well, in Atlas Belched, that's where we hear the weird message where it's like, hi, this is Mandy Hayes. Leave a message, you know, yeah. The one no, I think- the one I don't like, which I can't remember which which episode it's in, but she goes, thank you and goodbye. <gasps> okay. That, I, I keep saying Atlas Belch, but it's sleep talking guy because he forgot to meet her for lunch and he goes and sits in her office and calls her house and we hear that weird message. Okay. I don't think that's it. That's a different one. Well, I think it's really? earlier. Yeah, I don't think it's sleep talking guy. I think it's earlier. Anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah. But anyway, we've we've heard it several times and it's changed over the course of the seasons. Yeah, I think twice it's the same and then it changes anyway. But, you know, little does he know, um, she's a little closer to him than he thinks. She's out for a reason because she's on her way. (laughs) Next scene is he's uh, coming down the hallway in his um, hotel. Yeah, which is really nice. A little bit of Alf Clausen's music to Mulberry Street as he walks down there. Mm lovely what do you think of this hotel i don't know it's just a normal hotel why are you looking at me saying this set was used again grace <laughs> i was wondering that i was wondering if this is like the hallway that they dress up for different occasions it probably is you know it's probably like they've had several hallways like in um the murders in the mail when he puts the shaving cream under the door and um but they i haven't gone to look to see to compare hallways I haven't either, but um, they could. It, it is always kind of the hallway, and there's a door right at the end of the hallway. It is always that same kind of setup. So they could be using the same basic hallway, but they dress up the doors differently and the lighting. Because, like in uh, Twas at Agnes's yes. house, the hallway is kind of like that. That's too. true. And a few other episodes. Yeah. So I don't know. Something to look at later, I guess. I'm um, not sure, but this hotel, I'll have some comments on this hotel. Like you say, basic hallway, fine. Um, all right, so yeah, David walks down the hallway and unlocks his door and lets himself in and finds a little surprise. He finds Maddie sitting on his bed. I like mm-hmm. that. I like that a lot. <laughs> I might love like, that. You like you like the canary, did you? I liked her a lot. <laughs> I liked her. I liked her a lot. I sure did. All right, well, gosh, I mean, the lighting. The mood, the monologue, what can we say? All very nice. Yeah, everything about this scene is just set up so well. Mm-hmm. But um, Glenn's monologues are just amazing, you know, to keep you interested in mm-hmm. what she's saying without anybody else actually coming into the conversation. And she does it so well. She's just sitting there looking down. She's looking sheepish. because mm-hmm. She's actually followed him to New York and he's in shock. But I think he's happy, deep down, he's happy that she's followed him. So the monologue is very revealing. They both have revealing monologues in this episode, which is great. And it's one thing Glenn is so good at. But one thing I noticed was really different about Maddie was her outfit. Now, I know she's come to New York and it's colder, so she can't wear her little silky dresses. Mm -hmm. But it's like... um, it's like a regimented outfit, don't you think? I really like it. I think it looks great on her. I think it's a raincoat. I think it's a jacket. And it's not an outfit. It's not a dress. I don't know. I think she, Do you think I it's think a coat like, or something? I thought it was like an actual. No, I think it's a coat. Do you? Definitely. I think okay. so. I think it's a jacket. Oh, it looks great on her. I love it. I just thought it was because of the buttons. It was very like a regimented, like a uniform type thing, you know? Yeah, and it's, that's a good brown, it's brown. 
Yeah, it's brown. I mean, that's not. No, I think it. I think she's wearing a, a jacket like a. Isn't she? It's like belted. You're right. It is a kind of a funny. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be like a Maddie. Uh, see, I always read that as she's wearing like a raincoat, like a buttoned up no, raincoat. I think that. I think it's actually it's a. That's a dress. It must like, be a dress. It can't be a top. It's not a top and skirt. You wouldn't have a top like that. But I think when you see her stand up, I know it's dark. You're looking at it now, aren't you, Shauna? Yeah. I gotta, I've got to like brighten the screen. I got to see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I just think it's an interesting choice that they've dressed her that way. Yeah, I don't get it. Let I mean, me I really that. like it. I mean, considering the content of the dialogue and everything that's happened so far in the episode, you're not expecting it to wear white, right? So they've chosen this brown outfit that's appropriate because now she's in New York, so she should be wearing something warmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, long sleeve. So, yeah. It's just that it's not often we see her in something like that. That's what I'm saying. With the color scheme, it's like maybe they wanted a darker outfit so she'd be more in shadow because of like, you know, like we say, when he walks in, she's kind of sitting there a little bit shadowy, you know, looking very sheepish. The shoulder of the dress or jacket or whatever she's wearing. There's another collar coming. Or maybe she's wearing a scarf. And it, yeah, it's a very different outfit. But the shoulder is just like that brown outfit that she wore a few times. Um, she wore it in Read the Mind, See the Movie. She wore yeah. it in. Uh, yeah, I know which yeah, one. In, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it has that same kind of like leather patchy thing on the shoulder. On the shoulders, yeah. Yeah. People out there, tell us what you think it is. Is this a jacket over an outfit? Or is this an outfit? Is this a belted coat? Very mm-hmm. interesting. I always read that as like a coat. So it's funny. I love our different perspectives. Very good. Okay, but we got to analyze this monologue, Grace. She starts off, okay, let's think of Maddie waiting for David to come into that hotel room. She's sitting there anticipating like, oh my gosh, when he comes back, how's he going to react? You know, she's definitely second guessing herself. Like, oh gosh, why am I here? I shouldn't be here. I'm in his hotel room. He's going to come back. He's going to see me. How's he going to react? He's here. His friend died. You know, I'm sure she's just really second guessing all of her choices. And like she said, it was very spontaneous for her to get up in the middle of the night, get on an airplane and, and you know, just take off. Oh, my God, Shauna. Of- she was spontaneous. I know. Yeah, she was spontaneous. And then once her heart rate came down and she thought about it, somewhere over Arizona, as she yes. said, yes, she thought, maybe I shouldn't be going out there, you know? Okay. Then she, she goes on to say, you know, she's kind of like giving him an out, right? She's saying, I already checked. I can leave. There's a flight, you know, like David, I don't have to be here, you know, just in case he has like an adverse reaction to her being there and all of that stuff. Right. You know, cause she's nervous. She's not sure how, how he's going to react to this, you know, but then of course we get to the heart of it, which was, <laughs> you know, she's like, I feel like an ass. It's Maddie being about as vulnerable as we've seen her so far. It's like something touched her about David being married to somebody else. Like she's suddenly seeing him as somebody else's when I think she always kind of sees David as hers if she wants him. Yeah. So for there to be like a former Mrs. Mr. Addison out there and and stuff like that, that changes things. Right. So Maddie suddenly has these feelings that she can't really ignore. So she's kind of saying to him, like, I don't know, like, I feel like an ass. I don't know, like what made me come here, but I was just so surprised that you'd been married. And I didn't know that about you, even though we're so close. And then she kind of touches on, but not that close. It's not like we're. And she cuts a sentence short. Yes. It's not like we're in a relationship because that's the question about their relationship. Really? It's like, are we business partners? Are we more? Are we going to be more? You know, they're always like hedging on that. And this is where things kind of start to take a turn, you know, in the series where things may be turning a little bit more serious where they can't really ignore it anymore that, you know, hey, we're just business partners and and we flirt sometimes. Now there's some real feelings happening. And now there's some movement, you know, learning things about each other that they didn't know before that's like making them really have to actually answer to some of these feelings, you know, not just like the kiss and witness, like, ah, it didn't happen because you're not leaving. And now like, we don't really have to be serious about it. Now some real life stuff is happening. And it made Maddie take action, which she hasn't had to do before. Which you th- you would think that would tell her something. I think it does tell her something. But does she realize it? Is it only temporary? <laughs> well, I mean, you're talking about this episode or you're talking about like going forward in other episodes? 
in this episode, yeah, does she really realize her feelings for him? I think this is the first episode that she realizes that she's in care. In care. <laughs> mm. And yeah, I mean, think about the end scene, you know, um, her, how she was looking at David and wants to put her head on his shoulder and things like that. Like, I think this is the first episode where like, kind of like I just said, you know, a few minutes ago, she always thought of David as hers if she wants him. And now she's kind of like, yeah, he was somebody else's for a while. And like, it's making her realize that she does have feelings. I think she does realize in my view, she does realize in this episode that she has feelings for David that are more than business, more than friendship, more than flirtation. I think this is a bit of the turning point for Maddie on that. Yeah, I agree. It's not the first time she's bared her soul, but she's doing yeah. a good job on this one for sure. And so does he later. Yeah. I mean, she said, if, was it last episode? Yeah, in All Creatures at the end, she did a little bit of uh, divulging some information, but then he wasn't listening. So <laughs> he didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because they're close. Yeah, they're close. They but are like, close. She's, but what she is saying in this monologue is that because they're so close, she's surprised she didn't know this about him. But then, like, there are pieces, pockets of our lives that we don't know about each other. I certainly have things that I haven't, you know, she kind of stops there too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of like, what don't we know about Maddie? That's kind of a question there too, you know, but she's kind of realizing like, you know, like she said to Agnes earlier, like you think, you know, a person that you think there's nothing anyone could tell you that, you know, would surprise you. And, you know, here's like a little piece or a pocket of his life that he's has kept from her, even though they spent all that time together. And that she doesn't know. And it does kind of like open it up to like, what else don't I know about this guy? You know, I thought we were so close and like, mm. he hasn't even told me that he's been married. It's pretty big. She, she might even be a little bit hurt that he didn't confide in her of his past. You know, how but does she not know this? But he doesn't have to, you know, it's um, some people were just, he wanted to keep that private, but the problem is he's still dealing with it. And this is the issue. And then See, he, that's the thing. He never brought it up because of what we find out in this episode. Like, he doesn't want to have to explain what happened. No, it's helpful to explain that. And you know what? It could be a even a little bit embarrassing. Oh, yeah. But, you know, but basically, he was a mug. Yep. You know? His ego's big bruised. Because mm -hmm. David's all about women, and this woman chose another woman over him. Yeah. And, <laughs> and she, that's pulled the wool she pulled the wool over his eyes, basically. And, and that's yeah. embarrassing. Shauna and I decided to put our heads together once again to see what else we could do for our favourite TV show, Moonlighting, and all the Moonlighting fans. Then, ba-bing, we get this idea. Why not write a book? We began putting pen to paper and came up with Moonlighting, an episode guide. It's everything you want to know about each and every episode. We asked Moonlighting creator, Glenn Gordon Caron, to write the foreword, and of course, he replied, Do bears bear? Do bees bee? I think that was a yes. Just like our podcast, we go in chronological order and talk about each episode in detail. And we've also included some photos from our personal archives. We take a deep look into everything that made this show so unique, such as Agnes Rhymes and the full original music credits for each episode. Did Bruce Willis really slip an F-bomb past the censors? In which scenes are Sybil's sneakers visible? But wait, I've forgotten the most important thing. What's the total count on the door slams of the whole series? Well, you'll have to buy the book to find out. Go to tuckerdspress.com to purchase your book so that you can watch an episode, listen to the podcast, then read our review of the episode in the book. Phew, boy, have you got a lot of work to do. We will also place a link below in your show notes page of wherever you listen to your podcasts to purchase your book and keep it on hand because this is going to be your go-to reference for Moonlighting. Yeah, so I think a lot of revelations there and Maddie's reaction is the first time, yeah, we see Maddie kind of being spontaneous, jumping on a plane, running to New York, waiting for David, but she's very insecure about it. And so at the end she says, I know what I should do. I should go get on that airplane. But he stops her and he says, I want you to stay. She's hinting that, you know, maybe she should go back, but that's only because he's not talking. He's not saying anything. So she's thinking, oh, God, he's not happy I'm here. So, yeah, up, up until that moment, she's not really sure. But his reaction, because like you said, she's, he's not saying anything back to her. You know, he's just listening. Yeah, and I think he's really interested in what she has to say, and that's why he doesn't say anything. 
He's like, what is she doing here? I'm going to let her talk. What? 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 Is Maddie on my bed? What? (laughs) So he's letting her talk and get her feelings out. And that's why I think he didn't say anything. You know, I just realized what I should do. What I should do is go catch that airplane. So don't go. But how about when she gets up? How close are they, Shauna? I know you love that. (laughs) And I also love, because, you know, as we always talk about, the two uh, different angles are a few hours apart, you know, to set up how he mimics or they mimic each other. They kind of do something with their face, kind of like flash their dimples. This little smirk, she kind of does something with her face and he mimics it back to her. A lot of chemistry there. Even their facial expressions are bouncing off each other. And uh, all the things he says, um, I want you to stay. You can have the room next door. I thought I got to desk you my sister. My mother. I'll tell him I'm your father. You can have the room next door. But I love the over the shoulders. It's actually them. Oh, I know. Yeah, you can and see Sybil. You can see yeah. her profile. Yeah. Yep, she's there. Um, But I do have a question about how she's saying the guy wouldn't let me have the room next door until you said it was okay. But Maddie's inside David's room. I mean, how is that possible? There's no way. If it seems like a danger, you know, to put someone uh, next door to somebody, they're not going to give you the room key. So you can be waiting in there when he comes back. Because even back in 1986, I mean, David couldn't even get the room number of Mr. Hayes's room when he was um, tailing him. So the fact that she's battered her eyelashes at this guy and got into the room, that's the only way. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that's kind of one yeah, of the you unexplained. Can't. You can't say, oh, no, you can't have the adjacent room, but he lets her into David's room? Nah. So along with the timeline, we just kind of have to let that one go. Staging-wise, script-wise, they wanted Maddie waiting in there when David came home. And, yep. and it's a great scene, so we get it. But just uh, logistic-wise, there's a few holes. Boy, is she lucky he's got an adjacent room. Not many hotel rooms have an adjacent room. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great scene. A lot of vulnerability. Great monologue by Sybil. Love the, when they're so close in the doorway and he wants her to stay and his low voice and beautiful moment and moonlighting. I just love how they've dressed up the set. It's only a small set, but especially at the end when he goes, oh, I'll see you. I'll see you soon. He And he goes off and she doesn't even turn around. She walks backwards to the bed He shuts the door and then one side of her head is all blue and then she turns to the right and the scene cuts and as she turns to the right, there's the warm light on her right-hand side. So she's half silhouette, half warm. It's just a beautiful scene. They just did it so well. Yeah, and I love how she backs up into the dark. Yeah, and then sits down and then she looks to the right. Then we get uh, a little bit more of what they're thinking in the next scene. But yeah, great scene. Yes, but before we leave... I thought you might have said something about the suitcase. Yes. These suitcases do appear in episodes. I haven't, um, like Rainbow is one where they have suitcases. Um, I think her dad has a suitcase and every daughter's father. I've looked before, but I can't remember what episodes they use the same suitcases in. So I can't speak to it in the moment. Yeah, no, I haven't checked it either. But when she was sitting there, I'm thinking, I wonder if Shauna's analyzing the suitcase because I know you've mentioned that before. And I remember we were trying to compare one with Meadows in the Mail, but his his ones were sort of leather type. Anyway. Yeah. David has a suitcase in another a later episode as well that might be the same. Um, but yeah, the suitcase is overlapped. I've checked before, but now I can't remember which episodes. I'll- anyway, in summary, a wonderful scene with a lot of aspects to it. A lot of thought went into it. Yeah. I think Glenn feeling the need to move their relationship forward Mm. a bit and this is the first time i think we're getting maddie having to come to terms with what are her feelings for david they've surfaced yep so i think this is when she's in care (laughs) in care yeah so um going on what we're talking about here like okay maddie and her kind of questioning to herself like why did i come all the way out here have i made a mistake have i done the right thing by hopping on this plane and, and coming out here there were lots of opportunities for her to not go to the hotel room, but she did, you know, like even when she landed in New York and taxi and hotel and everything, like nothing was going to stop her from getting there. Right. But in this next scene, understand that David is wondering the same thing. Cause the first thing he says to her is you came all the way out here. 
you came all the way out here. Why did yeah, you do I love, that? I love how he uses his arm to express that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all the way out here. So he's wondering too. And this is a later, again, when he's talking to the cab driver, one question I have is, David is always going after Maddie, right? Chasing, chasing, chasing. We know, you know, Maddie's the one that he's in love with and all that stuff. Obviously, he loves that she's there. But the timing of it is a little bit tough for him because he's uh, now embroiled in a whole other kind of scenario. He's kind of like thrust into dealing with things from his past, you know? So it's like, well, he's happy Maddie's there. He, I don't think he can fully appreciate it. That's true. He's more embroiled in a different situation from his past. So he needs to deal with that. And now he's got to deal with her coming to see yes. which he's happy about. But in a way, it would have been, I don't know, would it have been better if she didn't go there so he could just deal with it? Big question for Moonlighting fans. I think uh, in a way, yes, because, gosh, Maddie's motivations are a little bit selfish too. I mean, she says like, I think I thought I could help you. And that's definitely part of it. But her big motivation is because she found out something about David that she didn't know. And she wanted to go out there and like kind of claim back what's hers. What she believes is hers. And I think she's extremely curious about who this woman is and what she looks like. Yes. She's very curious. Her motives are a bit selfish. David doesn't really have time to focus on the fact that Maddie's there She's followed him. She wants to, you know what I mean? Like that should be like a momentous thing for David. Like Maddie's here, you know, because also later when he's talking to the cab driver, he says, then I got this woman back at the hotel. I don't know what she's thinking. Gotta be something going through her mind. You know what I mean? It's no wonder he's drinking. (laughs) Yeah. But it's interesting. He's like, what's Maddie thinking? But he should be hoping that Maddie is thinking that maybe she has feelings for him, but he's kind of always hoping. Yes, I just don't think it's good timing for David because, you know, he can't really deal with it. But anyway, in this scene, in his monologue, that's the first thing he says, like, you came all the way out here. Why did you do that? It's definitely on his mind. He's wondering, but he kind of knows because he dropped the bomb and left. And now he's left or very curious, right? But I don't like her answer. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I just felt like getting on a plane in the middle of the night. Okay. But what's she supposed to say? <laughs> what would be a better answer for you? I don't know, just, um, well, the real reason because how they really feel about each other, but that's not going to happen. But maybe she could have said something I've just thought felt like maybe I could be a bit of support. Mm -hmm. It's just when she says, I don't know, I'm like, well, that's not a good answer. I know. But she kind of doesn't know, Grace. She does, but she doesn't. It's like they're both kind of in these like two different mindsets right now. You know what I mean? Like both extremely confused. Exactly. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So David sits down and, you know, he acknowledges um, how shitty it was that he said that he had been married and got on the plane and admits, I knew that that was a crappy thing to do. And I knew exactly what I was doing and fully acknowledging that was a crappy thing to do, to drop that bomb and get on a plane. At least he acknowledges that. So, I, yeah, I think he was feeling bad about that from the moment he left Blue Moon. And then Maddie asks, um, who was she? What happened? You know, wants to know more of the story about this woman, right? She's very, I am curious. Like, I am mm-hmm. curious, Maddie. I am curious, Maddie. Okay. Now, I've got some questions about David's monologue. To me, there's some contradictions. Okay. Okay. So David starts to tell the story of Tess, and he says, I knew her just about all my life. All right. So I guess um, we're picturing a girl that grew up in their neighborhood, you know, went to school with, probably, you know, small town Philadelphia, right? 
So he, he knew Tess all his life. Okay. One day they decide to skip school together. It's raining. They go back to her house. They take off their clothes. So are we supposed to think, I mean, he says, it's the story you always hear, 18 year old guy gets you know pregnant, da, 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 da. So are, are we supposed to think they're about 17, 18 years old? So what, um, what are you saying? The age doesn't work out? Like the final year of school, normal, here, normally you're 18. I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to get the story in my mind. Like um, they're probably like 17, 18 years old, maybe like last year of high school. So um, they go back to Tessa's house. They take their clothes off because I guess they're wet and things like that. One thing leads to another. Now, okay, so I guess what we're supposed to think here is that this is David losing his virginity. This is the first time he's had sex. Is that right? Yeah, because possibly. He does say that he'd been with other girls, you know, flirting around, but maybe it was the first time. He doesn't actually say it was the first time. Well, he? that's why it's like a little bit confusing because he says, I mean, okay, you know, he starts off the talk saying, and I know it's David and he's just minimizing what's going on. He says that, it wasn't very important. She wasn't very important. That's how he starts off the talk, right? Then he says, we're at her house and one thing's kind of leading to another. And he's like, this is special. This is really special. I mean, I had been with other girls before, but this was really special. Okay. So what was special? The only thing I could think of is like, okay, been with other girls, maybe you made out, you know, did a little this, that, or whatever, but this was special because I'm thinking, and yeah, I think it, there's a lot to interpretation here that this was the first time he'd had sex, full on sex. Okay. Mm-hmm. Obviously they didn't use protection because after he left, he's just walking around praying that she doesn't get pregnant, you know? Okay. The other thing too, is um, he says, I don't remember anything else about that day, but the moment we started, I felt so safe. Mm-hmm. Um so there was something he liked about Tess. You know, there was something in that moment that he, I don't know, I, you know, just being intimate with someone meant, I don't know, like, I guess viewers will have to tell us and, you know, hear your views, but I just feel like it's maybe the first time um, that he had full on sex and he felt safe with her, but like, was she a great love? Doesn't seem like it, you know, because it just seems like they had to get married, you know, because she got pregnant. Right. And then they just tried to make it work from there. And, and then other things happened. So those are my questions about what what David has to say. It's like, on one hand, he's kind of painting it like she wasn't very special. He says he doesn't remember anything else about that day, but he seems to remember everything about that day because he remembers, you know, beforehand, he remembers it was raining. They got to her house. They took out their clothes. They had sex. He got up. It got weird. He said after they had sex, it got weird. He didn't go home. He just walked around. Yeah. So then he walked around and he was like uh, having a conversation with God saying, please do not let her get pregnant. And then... He pictures himself in a blue Sunoco uniform, which is like a gas station, Sunoco. Yeah, I had to look that up. That's another reference. Yep. Yeah, there's another reference. And and then, you know, God had something else on his mind that day. So obviously Tess got pregnant. They had to get married. So they got married, sounds like pretty quickly because she lost the baby. Yeah. We don't know when that happened. Then they moved to New York together. She was acting. He was bartending. It was a wild time. He came home one day and found the census taker on top of her getting all sorts of pertinent information. Doesn't tell Maddie, you know, we find out later there was actually a woman that she was with, not a guy, et cetera. And then we know David is very hurt. So that's what we know about David and that whole situation. So my take on it is the responsible David Addison married her. Yeah, exactly. So you can depend on him, Shauna. A great deal of the time. Great deal of the time. <laughs> so, yeah, those are my thoughts about what David had to say. What no, I agree with everything you've said. It's just it didn't click with me that it was possibly the first time he'd had sex. So, but yeah. And you're probably right because he decided afterwards to have a conversation with God about please don't let her get pregnant. But of course, he said, but obviously, God had other things on his mind that day. He told God he would never do it again. I'm having a conversation with God. I'm saying, God, please, please, I will never, ever do it again. Please just don't let her get pregnant. Yeah, right, David Addison. (laughs) (laughs) Another loss for David, baby-wise. It's pretty Mm. sad. And you know what? It's great how the writers bring their past to the present because all through this, There's not many things we've known about David. We've known about, you know, his childhood a little bit with Richie. He mentions a bit of his childhood in Next Stop Murder. 
But it's great how they write these really good past stories to learn a little bit more about the main characters. I like that, that we've found mm-hmm. out a bit more about him. Oh, yeah. Through both of these monologues, we definitely get a lot of insight into both of these characters. Now, my question is, was Tess special to David? He starts off saying, you know, she wasn't very special. Yeah, that's right. So he says at the start that she wasn't very special. But then when they went back to Tess's house, it was all of a sudden it was very special. So I'm a little bit confused about that. And I think David is too. But I think maybe not so special, but especially after what happened, he's just thought, nah, she's not special. But it still hurt him. So maybe at the time she was special, but, you know, feelings change over the years, don't they? Yeah. I don't get the sense that Tess was a great love of his life, but Mm. I think it speaks to David's character as far as him being an earnest human being who follows Mm. through on his responsibilities. And it kind of shows that he is a dependable person and a responsible person when it comes down to it, because he did the right thing as far as marrying Tess and trying to make it work and moving to New York and, you know, them having a life there. And, and I think that the little innocent part of David was surprised and hurt that she wasn't loyal to him because I think he would be a loyal guy when he made that commitment. So I think that he was surprised that Tess wasn't loyal to him and it hurt his ego that she was with a woman and not another man, that maybe he could have handled another man better. Mm. That woman was providing something to Tess that he couldn't, that for David is not something he takes well. Yep. Lots of insight, lots of like just two great monologues back to back, lots to uh, unpack there. About them. That's why this episode's so great. They packed so much in whatever, is it 45 minutes or whatever. I didn't see the timing of the episode, but wow, there's just so much to take in in this episode. The visuals are just amazing. Yeah. Season three, they're just firing on all cylinders as far as lighting, dialogue, acting, production. But the pace of this episode is different where we get a lot of longer more insightful scenes, not the not so much. I mean, the beginning scene, yeah, there's the the dialogue there, but yes. So this is a different pace for Moonlighting, where we get the longer, more insightful, thoughtful scenes. So it's kind of nice. Yeah, it is. Nice. I mean, yeah. the, I feel that they had to do that overlapping dialogue somewhere in the episode, otherwise the the whole episode would be a different pace. And it was a long scene too. It was a decent scene with both of them together. So, yeah. All right. Well, um, oh, let me get a two-fingered kiss from David. I love it when he throws his two-fingered kisses. Oh, we always love that. And he's, I felt his Jersey accent came out a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I like the lighting of him standing in the doorway, you know, like when he came into Maddie's room and he kind of has the door propped open with his foot and he's in his white T-shirt. Sort of in and silhouette. then before he leaves too, you know, the lighting on him. Yeah, Jerry Fenderman, just, mm, Jerry, we love you. Oh, the thing I was going to say about their hotel rooms is his hotel room is kind of a suite with a couch area and, you know, sitting chair and all this stuff. Maddie's has this like weird wood paneling, but it's not at all like David's room. If they were like adjoining rooms at the same hotel, they're like two very different rooms. Oh, didn't look at that. Yeah. Her adjoining room is not, not nearly as nice, but kind of interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Just little parts of it I liked where he, you know, he said, oh, he pictured himself wearing a blue Sunoco uniform with Dave stitched over the pocket. And another little tidbit, how they moved to New York because her brother Jimmy lived there and she wanted to be an actress. So she was taking acting classes and he was tending bar. Yep. Like Bruce Willis in real life. Thank you for supporting us, Moonlighting fans. We hope you are enjoying our episodes. And if you feel so inclined, Shauna and I would be very appreciative if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts so that we know we're on track with our content and continue to provide you with a great experience. Yeah, just interesting. All of that. Very interesting. Who she was, um, wasn't his girlfriend or anything, but they got married. They tried to make that work and they moved to New York. And so we just get a nice little backstory on David there. All right, so it's the next morning and David knocks on Maddie's door and just letting her know that he's about to leave. But he's in shock when he finds out that she walks out (laughs) dressed up in black to go to the funeral. It's 11 in the morning. He says he has to go soon. He's like, Maddie, you up yet? Which I guess it was a late night. I guess she would have slept late. 11 is pretty late for Maddie, but I guess it's they're on a different time zone. So, yeah, he's just, I guess, letting her know that he's heading out to the funeral. He's quite surprised when she walks through the door all dressed. But 
this is where they try and give Sybil a funny line and it's really doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. We're in black. I know. We're going to a funeral. I used to wear hot pink to funerals, but I always felt guilty about waking up the dead. No, this is not a Maddie line. I think no. that's more Sybil than Maddie. The line doesn't work at all. No. I don't know why they put it in there at all, because that's not something Maddie would say, first of all. I mean, Sybil would say, but not Maddie. <laughs> yep. It's a Sybil line. And Maddie would never wear hot pink to a funeral. So what do you, what? None of that makes sense. I agree. And Sybil even said in one of the commentaries that a couple of times they tried it with her saying a funny line, but it didn't work. It's David that's got to have the wisecracks. Yep. That line didn't make sense. I agree. But she looks absolutely gorgeous. Suit with a grey top. I like that grey top. But she realises that he doesn't want her to go with him. Did you not want me to go with you to this funeral? Of course. Of course you didn't. She's very disappointed now. Well, this is awkward. I feel so awkward when I watch this because, (laughs) well, there's two things going on. First of all, why doesn't David want to take Maddie to this funeral? Because David wants to take Maddie everywhere. I mean, he's dying to have her on his arm all the time. Uh, Yeah, but you know what? Why would you want your past wife and Maddie in the same room? Wouldn't that be a bit weird? But wouldn't he want Maddie seeing his old buddies from the neighborhood and stuff like that? Like, yeah, this is who I'm with. I mean, there's a bigger reason why David doesn't want Maddie, you know, but it's just odd, I think, for Maddie, because David always wants to take Maddie everywhere. So she's kind of shocked that it isn't assumed that she's going with him, you know, because, yeah, you're right. He's always wanted to take her everywhere. So, yeah. So I think Maddie really assumed that David would definitely want her to go. She's very much taken aback that he doesn't want her to go. And also, it's a little bit awkward that she's just assuming. So there was no conversation the night before. So I'll go to the funeral with you in support of. She just assumes, and then she is taken aback that he doesn't want her to go and really wonders why. So this is one of the first times that we're, we're seeing like David just can't take, doesn't want to take Maddie to this funeral. We're not sure why yet. It's a little bit awkward that she just shows up there, you know, opens the door next day and assumes that she's going with them. And she's kind of like pushing herself onto the situation a little bit. I think she's pushing it a little bit. If he's not comfortable with taking her, I wouldn't push it, you know. And why did she say, I was looking forward to this funeral? Oh, my God. (laughs) Looking forward to a funeral, really? I mean, she's only looking forward to seeing what Tess looks like. That's all she's looking forward to seeing. She's not looking forward to the funeral. It's all about Maddie. Like, Maddie is so curious about Tess. It's all about that, isn't it? Yeah. That's why she wants to go. It's not really in support of David, is it? I mean, this is just a guy that he knew 10 years ago. So David's making all these excuses that, you know, he hasn't seen these people in a long time and he just doesn't want her with him. No, you don't understand. Yes, I do understand. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Fine, fine. Good, good. We get a bit of that too, Shauna. Yeah, we get everything. Fine. Fine. Good. Good. I'm going. Go! And then David slams the door. And I love how Maddie kind of pouts and then looks towards the door. and Waiting then, for the door to open again. And then she decides he's not coming back, so she starts to stand up, and he comes back, and she flops back down again. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing's so childish. It's so funny. And now is- they have an argument about being mad. You're mad. <laughs> oh, I'm not mad. So he tells her that she's... A $5 cab ride from so many places that she could go to, like museums and theatres and shopping malls, and New York's full of that. And you want to go to a funeral? And that's when she says, I was looking forward to this funeral. I love how he says, It's not that I don't want to take you. It's just, I don't want to take you. Not to this funeral. <laughs> not to this not funeral. Not to this funeral. Yeah, then he goes and gets the newspaper and offers to take her to other funerals. And he gets the newspaper and he's reading it and it's open casket, short eulogy, dinner, drinks, open bar. Oh, my God, David. (laughs) Um, But is that Charlie Brown on the paper? Yeah, it looks like it. Is that Peanuts or something? Yeah. Um, As another reference. Yeah, true. And it's true what he's saying. This is the hardest thing that he's ever done, having to go to this funeral. And you can imagine how difficult it would be to see her again because he's been avoiding her. And seeing the rest of the family 
Yeah. He wants to separate Maddie from the situation. And if he doesn't want her to go, that's it. You don't go, you know? I think if um, Tess was with another man, he would want to take Maddie. I think he's... That's true. His ego. He's trying to hide the fact that he didn't want Maddie to know that one piece of information, which was that he was left for another woman. Somehow that really bruises his ego. Yeah. That's what it's like, you know? Yeah. That's really the reason that he doesn't want to take Maddie, I think, is just because like he hasn't told her the whole truth about Tess Mm. and he doesn't want it to come out. (laughs) He just doesn't want Maddie to know about that for whatever reason, you know? And it is hard seeing her again, seeing the family. Um, But this scene in the hotel with them yelling about bringing her to the funeral and him leaving and coming back in and especially, you know, when he takes her chin and is like, you're mad. I'm not mad. This is like one of the most married moments Mm. that they have. Look at me. Yeah, look at me. Him taking her chin and even before he leaves and stuff, she goes, what time do you think you'll be back? There might be something at someone's house, whatever. Fine, take as long as you want. What time do you think? Five? Might be later than that. Okay, whenever, you know, (laughs) just like it's also like husband and wife. The passive aggressive. (laughs) Yeah, total passive aggressive, him like taking your chin. Oh, David, I just, yeah, he's so stuck between a rock and a hard place. Maddie's there. She showed up for him. Deep down, he does want to take her, but he can't take her. The circumstances prevent him. Yes. Wanting to take her. I feel for Maddie too, because it's like, you're in New York, you're there, you're dressed, you're ready to go. Like, I think she thinks for sure that David is going to bring her to this funeral. Like she's going to see Tess. She's going to show up there with David. She's going to get this whole insight into his past. She's still very curious. She just found out a little bit. She realized there's more to learn. It's understandable why she's upset, but she doesn't know about what we're about to find out. So if she knew that, she'd probably understand, but he's not going to tell her that. So I know. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. And Maddie, she used to live in New York as well as a character. So anyway, David leaves. And then Maddie does kind of wallow away the day. She doesn't really go anywhere else. That's kind of interesting too. You know what she's doing? She's like figuring out how she can still see this Tess. That's the thing that's eating away at her, right? Like she wants to see this woman. Very curious. She's having deep thoughts, sitting there, having her room service, thinking about, how am I going to do this? What's my next tactic? What's my next course of action? I love how she looks in the hotel. She's drinking her poule fosse wine. Oh, is she? <laughs> yeah. The bottle says poule fosse. And they use some of this when they change the opening credits. They use some of the clips from this episode as well. Yeah. She's just like watching TV, got her room service, drinking her wine. And then she gets a phone book out. She is really like, this is eating her up. This is like, she's deep in thought here. But of course, we know she cares about David, but. It's like she's kind of got like, not obsessed, but she got very anxious or something about who was this woman and how was she married to David? And it's grabbed hold of her a little bit. It is a little bit of an obsession because now she's got the phone book out and she's like going through the Addisons and calling people. She can't help herself. She's determined now. I think she got some energy from the food and the wine. (laughs) She's looking them up. My question is, why is it the Addison residence? No. I don't see why it's the Addison residence. Well, that's true. I mean, Jimmy's last name wouldn't have been Addison, but Tessa's last name still might be Addison if she hadn't gotten married. Aren't they divorced or not? Yeah, but you would still keep your married name unless you changed it back. People probably wouldn't, but some might. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I just found that interesting because I'm thinking, is she trying to contact David's family? I don't see why she would have kept, I mean, you never know her surname. It's not mentioned, but... I just found it strange that she would have kept the name Addison. Yeah. Anyway. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but we don't know the other last names or anything. And he said there might be something after at someone's house. He didn't say like, oh, it's going to be back at Tessa's. How would she ever know in all of New York where to call? Well, okay. What if she's calling? No, it doesn't make any sense. I was just thinking like if Tessa's last name was still Addison and Maybe if someone answered the phone there, she'd say like, oh, I'm trying to find out where Jimmy's wake is. Do you know where it is? Maybe she's just trying to get information that way, not necessarily like find the party, but get information about where is the party. But she hangs up. (laughs) Well, it seemed like that wasn't the right. She was trying a bunch of numbers is what the sense that I got. I don't know. Yeah, right. Like she didn't say like, oh, hi, is this Tess Addison's house? I'm looking for Jimmy's wake. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. (laughs) It doesn't make sense. As much as we want to make sense of it. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense why she's calling like Addison. Yeah. Mm. But it must be discussed. Okay. But anyway, she finds out something because she finds out where it is because she shows up. 
Right. Jay Daniel says this is a back lot of Fox Studios, Tessa's home, which uh-huh. is used still today. Very cool. This was a day, wasn't it, Shauna? Well, this was a day. This we, was a big day. Yeah. The turning point behind the scenes of Moonlighting. There was a lot of tension going on in the background regarding this scene. Apparently, Sybil wanted to react a certain way to seeing Tess, but Glenn wanted her to react in a different way. Mm-hmm. And apparently, there was some discussion on the set about this scene, but Sybil disagreed, Glenn disagreed. And then Glenn said something that he thought was funny on the set, which made everybody laugh, and Sybil walked off the set. But she did return that day to film this scene on the fire escape, and she's visibly upset. You can see in this scene that she is visibly upset. And then the next day after this, Sybil returned with her agent and her attorney. So there was a big thing going on. Anyway, we'll talk about this scene. Now, (laughs) that's something I never noticed before. The woman answers the door, and that's Aunt Rosemary. Mm -hmm. And Maddie just says, I want to pay my respects. And and Aunt Rosemary introduces herself. Maddie says that she's a friend of his, but then she fesses up that she didn't know Jimmy, that she actually knows his sister. Now, when Maddie's walking in, she walks towards the camera and Tess walks right in front of her. Did you notice that? I really know. (laughs) Because we're busy looking at Maddie and the aunt. Mm -hmm. But as soon as she walks in, she's walking to the camera and Tess walks right in front of her across the screen. (laughs) Okay. It's a little introduction. I see. Yes, you're right. And she goes, oh, you know Tess. And she's like, Tess? Oh, yes, I did. So she's realised that Tess is David's ex-wife's name. Yes. Now, while they're talking, you can see Tess behind Maddie turning her head around even though you can't see her because she's at the edge of the screen. But they keep mentioning her name, so she keeps turning around. So I thought that was good. You could just see that she's turning around because she can hear her name being mentioned. Yes. And then Tess goes, excuse me, were you looking for me? And the aunt explains that it's her old friend. What did you say your name was? And the way she says Maddie, Maddie Hayes, oh, I don't know, she's she's not happy at all, Shorter. (laughs) It's just weird. It's not Maddie at all. You remember her, your old friend? What did you say your name was? Maddie. Maddie Hayes. And, of course, Tess doesn't recognise her at all. And uh, Maddie asks if they could talk privately. So they go on to the fire escape. Yeah, when Maddie comes in, she's kind of very much looking around. So she's looking for David. She thinks definitely she'll run into him there. I guess she'll just kind of try to explain why she's (laughs) turned up when he's kind of asked her not to. So she's looking around for David and Maddie kind of has to do a little fibbing. It's again, kind of awkward. Maddie has to try to find a reason to be there and explain who she is and why she'd be turning up. And yeah, she's just digging herself a hole (laughs) now. Okay. So they definitely have the shot when Maddie turns around and sees Tess and they come face to face for the first time. So what's our impression of Tess? As far as we know, David's type. What are your impressions of Tess as far as um, a match with David? Can you picture these two together? Not really. But then again, this is years later. It's not the visual that I would expect an ex of David's to be like. Mm -hmm. But beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, Shauna. So (laughs) you never really know. I mean, we know that Bruce likes brunettes. Mm -hmm. Jillian was a brunette. Yeah. um, I think it's kind of fitting because it's not – really someone David chose. It's someone, it was a girl in the neighborhood, a classmate kind of girl that he ended up hooking up with. And then through a series of events, ended up marrying. He had to marry her. So it was not that sort of situation where he's fallen in love and he asked her to marry him. Yeah. It wasn't like that. So I think to me, it's kind of like Tess seems really, really sweet. She seems like a very sweet person. She's like a little bit mousy and she's the opposite of Maddie, right? She seems like very soft-spoken, delicate. Yeah, it's just an interesting choice. To me, it wouldn't be David's typical type at all, but she does come off as like girl in the neighborhood. So I guess she fits in that way. But yeah, I can't see David with her at all, but yeah, pretty funny. Yeah, it's interesting when you first see her. I remember first seeing it, I'm like, hmm, okay, not what I expected. No, not what I expected. Yeah, I wonder if it's what Maddie expected. You know, they come face to face for the first time and you kind of get Maddie and she's so gorgeous. Okay, let's talk about 
her reaction to Tess. What do you think was the way Sybil wanted to react compared to the way Glenn wanted her to react to seeing Tess? Good question. I think that Sybil wanted to play it more friendly, maybe smiling, maybe um, not excited to meet Tess, but happy. And I think Glenn saw it being played as less emotional, more skeptical, more, I don't know. But yeah, the question is, what's the right reaction to seeing David's ex? Because Maddie really has nothing against Tess. I feel like Maddie and David are usually friendly to each other's significant others, the other people in their lives. I think Glenn wanted her to react very cool, hardly a reaction, yet she might have wanted to actually be a bit warm and talk to her. Mm -hmm. That's the impression I've got. That's the impression I've got, yeah, that Sybil was smiling and greeting Tess more warmly, and I think Glenn saw it as being more stoic. I don't know why this was such a point, but I guess the writer has an idea of like how they see the scene playing out. And it's kind of the actor's job to like capture that. And maybe he didn't feel like Sybil was capturing what he had liked. Uh, Yeah. This scene on the fire escape was shot on stage 15, which is also the same stage they filmed the New York hotel room. And not only that, it's also the same stage where they filmed Petruchio's home. Wow. I like it. Yeah, I think this um, fire escape scene was when Jay had to go to Sybil's trailer and talk her into coming back to film it. Yeah, And you can really see Sybil is upset in this scene. You can see that she'd been crying. Her eyes look very sad. And also she's wearing um, her sneakers when she steps out. Yes, she sure is. Yep. A couple of things I, I like about this scene, the little twinkling lights in the background, you know, the city view. And then when you see Sybil... Behind her in the distance, there's like someone else's apartment and they're sitting in there watching television. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I love that little touch, you know, just showing the closeness of New York apartments. And behind Tess, they've purposely made it a dirty window. So you're not distracted by the guests of the wake inside. Right. But I love the audio as well. Audio of the New York sounds, taxi drivers, beeping, cars driving Mm -hmm. past. And the other yeah, thing that's good too about this scene is the camera is much lower. Mm-hmm. So it yep. shows that they're up high on a building. Yep, that's true. Very nice. So Tess and Maddie have a little conversation. Maddie explains a little bit more about who she is. And again, kind of stopping short, you know, saying, Well, we're pretty close. I mean, close, but not, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they're in between, right? They're very close, like each other's significant others, but they're not. So it's hard for her to kind of justify like all this curiosity and like chasing him across the country and like tracking down Tess because that's not her husband and that's not her boyfriend. But I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> but Tess doesn't want to know. She doesn't really ask Maddie what her relationship is with David. It's yeah. interesting. But Tess wants to know where he is, and Maddie is shocked to find that he never showed up to the funeral or the wake. Yeah. And she looks out over the skyline and says, oh, he left the hotel room at 11 o'clock this morning. Mm-hmm. And I often wonder what Tess is thinking because if Maddie said he left at 11 o'clock this morning from the hotel room, that means that they must have a relationship because, you know, yeah. <laughs> they, they were sharing a hotel room. That's true. That's true. And we also get a little insight that David hasn't changed much because Tess says, oh, I'm sure he's all right. You know, David. Don't worry. I'm sure he's okay. You know, David. He probably just wasn't in the mood for a funeral today. Wasn't in the mood for a funeral, you know? So, yep, David hasn't changed much, right? He could definitely just disappear, but he'll turn up fine. And he just wasn't in the mood for a funeral. Tess has been wanting to talk to him because apparently she's called him and she's written to him and she never gets any replies. And she said, I thought I'd cornered him this time because he would have had to come to the funeral and therefore he would have to see her and talk to her. But Yep, she thought there was no way out this time. Are you surprised you didn't go to the funeral? (laughs) I think he had all the intentions of going. Yeah, I do too. I bet he even stood in the back of the church for a minute and left or something, like knowing David. But he couldn't face it. He couldn't face her. Couldn't face her, as he explains later, because she would have wanted to analyze everything and he doesn't want to talk about it. He says, I'm fine with it. I just don't want to talk about it. Maddie says, well, maybe he just couldn't face you. And Tess is surprised that he told Maddie about what happened. I've known David since we were kids. Bearing his soul is 
not his strong suit. I really like that line. Mm-hmm. Good line. Love it. Maddie tells Tess that David still feels badly, but Tess wants him to move on and put it all behind him. And she realizes that her and David will never be close again, but she wants him to at least stand being in the same room with her, which obviously he still can't. But Maddie lets the cat out of the bag. I'm sure a lot of it is that David doesn't want to be in the same room with your... That guy. What guy? That guy, your guy. The guy I walked in on you with. And this is when Tess realises he's up to his old tricks again and he hasn't told her the full truth. But Maddie, actually it's Sybil, it's not Maddie in this scene. I'm sorry, it's Sybil. She just says, I don't understand what you're saying. It's still not clear to her what's going on. And that's yep. when you get the bombshell. Another man, is that? Of course, that's what he told you. Well, I have to hand it to him. At least he was in the neighborhood of the truth. I don't understand what you're saying. Well, honest Abe left out a minor detail. It's true, he walked in on me and someone else. But it wasn't another man. Wow, that was a ballsy part of the plot, wasn't it, for 1986? Yeah. Thank you for listening to Big Man on Mulberry Street Part 3. Stay tuned for next week's final instalment of this four-part series. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank Thank you you for for listening listening to to Moonlighting the Podcast. Podcast.